God is doing in the Gustinelli family is uh, really amazing. I've had these experiences in my life, as I'm sure you have, uh, where I'm seeing something, maybe, maybe in nature, like driving through Yosemite or on a mountaintop, and you see, you see the awe-inspiring aspect of God's creation, and you know you just can't quite absorb it. You can't take it in. You're looking at something that's really powerful, something that's really of God, but you know you just can't either find the words to describe it or even the ability to absorb it. And that's really hearing Susan share about what she's gone through and the faithfulness that you've maintained through it and the, the joyful and grateful spirit that you've had and giving uh, credit and honor to God through the midst of it and being drawn closer to your church family through it as opposed to being... Uh, severed from it or pushed from it is words can't describe but it's truly a work of God and we're uh, inspired we're strengthened we're encouraged by your faithful example thank you so much for letting God work through you through what has been an unspeakably difficult time in your life uh, but we're we're better uh, Christians for looking at you and your family's example and excited for what God's doing today in your son's life as well. Mother's Day. Great time. You know, and it, it's just so cool that as a church we're able to go through the calendar year and experience all these great things together. And there's things that go on in life anyway, but there's a richness that we enjoy in the context of our relationship with God and in the context of the family of faithful people to Jesus that we're a part of. And that's true of Mother's Day. I mean, it was just neat having the children come in, you know, and looking around and their, their energy and their joy and the, the, the bond that, you know, children have with their, their mom is, is something so priceless and so precious. We've been in a series in the San Fernando Valley called It's Personal, and we've been talking about life and relating to God, and that God really wants it to be personal with us, and our relationship with Him is something that's very personal to God. And there's nothing more personal than life and family life and our relationship with our mom. There's nothing any more personal in life than that. And you know, uh, mothers, one of the things that they really want to do is to prepare their children for life out there in the real world. They want through the course of their time from, you know, from birth on through, they want to be able to so invest in their, their sons and daughters and to be able to set up conditions so that they can be all that they as a mom see them to be, to really be prepared to face whatever might be out there in the world. A few years ago, Tom Hanks was in a movie called Castaway. Remember that movie? Yeah. Was that Ten years ago or so. And, you know, he's a guy who is in a, a plane crash, and he's alone on an island. And he's, he's cut off from civilization, isolated. And the question is, is he prepared 
to be able to survive in a situation like that. And of course, every, every mother would want her child to be that prepared by the time he or she leaves the nest, to be that prepared to, to survive and thrive whatever life may throw at them. And so Tom Hanks is, is in this situation and he ends up you know, making it off and, and coming back. And the end of the movie has him as a, as a FedEx employee, has him delivering a package to, and this, to this woman. And this package was with him the whole time that he was on the island. And so in that year that the movie was out, in 2003, FedEx did a uh, spoof on that for uh, a Super Bowl. This is our second spoof. We've already had Lord of the Rings uh, today. And now we've got Castaway. Okay, so I think I just press forward. Is that right? And it will play this clip. marooned on an island for five years with this package and I swore that I would deliver it to you because I work for FedEx that's very admirable thank you hey but by the way what's in the package uh, nothing really just a satellite phone GPS locator <laughs> water purifier and some seeds just silly stuff I mean, what if, what if you had this package and you were, you were marooned and cut off from civilization and in the package was everything you would have needed to make contact quickly and be rescued. But that's kind of our situation in life, in that God really wants to make contact and connection with us. And sometimes we can feel like that. I felt like it, and maybe you have, maybe even recently, where you feel kind of cut off from God, and He's a little bit distant, and, and He's a little bit hard to reach. And how do we span that gap? How do we make contact? How do we make a deeper and more meaningful connection with God in our lives. This was a subject that Jesus talked a lot about because that's really why he came. That's why he was here. And his teachings that are recorded for us in the pages of the Bible through various eyewitnesses and those that then were able to live with his teachings and then apply them into everyday life and through the working of God's Spirit to be able to write letters to one another, and we have, we have record of that as to answering this, this deep question. How can we connect with God? And we've already uh, seen the scripture because uh, Susan shared it with us, but, but Jesus is in a, in a situation and he, he has this encounter. This is uh, Luke's account. Susan read uh, Matthew's account. This is Luke's account of the situation. Now, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. There's a lot of helpful things in this passage. You have 
Jesus' mother and brothers, they're coming to him and they, they want to get to him, but there's a crowd. So they, they can't make contact with him just yet. They want to, but they're not able to just yet. And that, that's good for us to work with that because that sometimes is our situation. We'd like to have a more vibrant spiritual life. We'd like to have a more active and powerful faith. We'd like to have a closer and deeper contact with God. But sometimes, like his family found in this situation with Jesus, sometimes we can feel somewhat on the outside looking in. And so there's this this situation here. But one of the things that, that stands out right away to us is that Jesus had a family. Have you ever thought about that? He, he had a family. And this is good because he can relate to all the different things that we go through in our life. In fact, the Bible does say Jesus was tempted in every way like us. And the fact that he had a family, isn't that helpful to know? Because some of our temptations come in context of family life. Jesus had a family. And we all relate to that because that's where we all came from. And we've all come from a family. We didn't just, you know, the, the stork didn't just drop us out of the air. But we've all come from, we were nurtured in, and we've grown up in a family. And, you know, we may have different, uh, different range of feelings about that, but we all have a family. Now, now, Jesus, his family was actually a big family. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 3, we learn this. Uh, there were some people, and they were actually critical of Jesus, and they, they put him in his life context, and they said this, Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and aren't his sisters here with us? Now count that up. There's Jesus, and there's four brothers, and then at least, because it's plural, sisters, right? So there's at least seven kids in this family. Now I grew up with five of us, and Recently, we just celebrated my mom's 80th birthday, and we all gathered uh, in, in Portland, Oregon for that. And there's just all kinds of interesting drama <laughs> that goes along. And the more in the family, the more potential drama points there are. I mean, we just have two sons, and there's plenty of drama going on there, just with the four of us. But, but in a family this size... Think of the different storylines that are going on at any given moment. Jesus had a family. And on this particular day and time, his, his family were looking for him. And the people around, just like with us, the people around viewed Jesus in context with his family. They thought they knew him. Certainly there were physical features. And there were certain personality traits. And there were certain things that, that they could uh, associate with Jesus. Oh yeah, because we know his brothers and his sister. And we know his mother. And oh yeah, we, we know this guy. And that's how people understand us. There are physical traits. There are personality traits. And there's the whole nurturing process that we go through in our, our family life. For good and maybe for not so good. But that's all part of who we are. That's all right there in us. And then we know now there's even things like our DNA that really does hold the genetic code of our lives. And that's transferred on through our family line and, and on through us. So Jesus 
had a family context, then it was a big family. Now, what does, what does a family that size look like? Well, this is, you may remember this story, uh, uh, this show a few years ago, John and eight plus, uh, John and Kate plus eight. They had twins right in the middle, the two girls, and then they had six tuplets, eight in all. And this was so interesting that uh, uh, Discovery Channel decided to do a reality show uh, on them. It was called uh, Surviving Twins and Sextuplets, and it was so interesting and it had such a following that they s expanded it into this show, John and Kate Plus Eight. And there is, there's something, you know, attractive and drawing about this, and in its, its fifth season, the premiere, 9.8 million people watched it that night. The premiere of the fifth season. It was the it was the the most watched show of that evening. Because there's something within all of us about the ideal of family. We all have it there. We all have this ideal of family being a place where your hopes and your dreams can can grow up and thrive. This this is safe and secure place where you can really be protected from whatever might be coming at you uh, in a hostile way from the world, that you'll be safe and secure from that, that, that it's a place where people in it, in the family, are going to be more committed, more loyal, more accepting than anywhere else you'll find on the planet. That's, that's the ideal of family. And whether we feel like we've experienced it or even a part of it or not, that somehow carried around in us the hope of that, the, the, the aspiration of that, the, the longing for that. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know what happened in this reality show? They, uh, in 2009, they got a divorce. And they, they split up. And they tried the show, Kate plus eight. We don't need John, just Kate plus eight. And, and that, that lasted for two seasons, and then they just canceled the whole thing. And now, John and Kate are in a bitter court battle. Now, that's really reality. That's really reality in the world around us. That actually is a family show for our times. And in an audience this size, a certain large percentage of us have lived through some form of that, either physically or emotionally. And so that's the other side of family. For all of our, our hopes and our dreams and our longing about, about what the ideal family could be, there's the painful reality. And so even on days like Mother's Day or coming up Father's Day, these times, though, they're meant to be times of cards and, and Hallmark greetings and all kinds of warm, fuzzy feelings, for some of us, uh, as wonderful as family is for someone else, for us, it's just, it's just weird. It's not wonderful, it's weird. And it's not joyful, it's, it's painful. Because there's, there's certain things that happen in family life that run more deeply than anything else. And certain things that happen to us in the context of family We'll spend, and it may have just been a moment in time, and it may have been 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, and yet we'll spend our entire life trying to figure out how to process that because it is so close to the very heart of how we're made. And so Jesus, we need to understand this, had 
of family. And they came looking for him. And we've, we've heard Mark's, uh, Matthew's rendition of it, and we just read Luke's rendition. Here's what the backstory that Mark gives us of the same situation, the same account. Mark says, that Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. So here's Jesus, Messiah, Son of God, and yet his family thought they knew better about him. Now, in the context, all we know is that he wasn't able to eat. There's probably more to it than that, than, hey, he's missed a meal, we're concerned about him. There was probably more going on in which they saw, because of the size of the crowds and because of the intensity of his message and because of the, the, the implications of his ministry, that they started to think to themselves, he's losing grip. He is not able to handle the pressure of the ministry that he's involved in. He's bit off way more than he can chew. And so we as family, we know better for him. We know him that well. Where he's, he's lost touch with life himself, we'll get him back in touch. He may have lost a grip, but we still have a grip on what's best for him. And so they go, of all things, to take him in hand because they figured out he's out of his mind. Now, Think about that. If you ever haven't experienced anything like that in your family, and if you have a family, chances are you have some story, something kind of like this, where even though you felt this, the, the family member felt like they knew better for you. They could speak for you because they understood you better. This is Jesus' family. But what's going on here, he's out of his mind, is something that is... Personal. I mean, this cut deep. It, it was personal. They're not just saying, oh, well, you know, he's, he's a, a little busy. Or, oh, well, he's got this kind of message. He's out of his mind. He's crazy, and we need to go and take charge of him and help him. It ran so deep. But, you know, that's how families are. That's what families do. That's who families are in our life. They feel like they know us. They feel like they know what's best for us. They assume the right to speak for us. Such is the bond, such is the, the level of connection and assumed association and even involvement in our life. So they went to take charge of him. Now, here's the thing. Jesus sees this as an opportunity, as he often did. His, his teaching and his stories would, would not come from kind of a lecture form where he would be thinking, okay, what's a concept that I can teach today? They would be out in the wheat fields. They would be out by the seashore. They would be in some setting and he would say, okay, let me tell you what God is like here. Okay, let me tell you something. Based on this situation here, this is something like what it is to have a relationship with God. And so here's this family drama playing out. And imagine the hush that must have come over the crowd, you know. Your 
mother and brothers are outside. And no doubt they expected him to drop everything and rush out to see them because this is a Jewish family and this is what would happen. You would go out to meet the family. They, they held the trump card. They took the priority. So this is all in play and all eyes come back on him. Your mother and brothers are looking for you and there's this quiet. And he says, oh, this, is, this is a great opportunity to teach something so vital, so deep, so important about relating to me and relating to the Father. And so in that, we, we hear, and let's run again how Luke described it. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it in the practice. What's going on here? They're bringing up the idea of family. Family. That's a great topic. Let, let's just work with that for a moment, Jesus says. There's nothing more personal than family. There's nothing that runs deeper than family. There's nobody in our life that would assume the proximity and the closeness and the level of a relationship with us like family. And Jesus is saying, you want to get personal with me? You want to be close to me? You want to get into that part of my life as close as the DNA running in my system? Here it is. Here it is. Hear God's word and put it into practice. That's how deep it'll go in our relationship, like mother and brother, like family. The message is so simple. It's so simple, we'd have to try to complicate it. <laughs> Hear his word and put it into practice. Amen. Families have a common experience. When you grow up in a family, you live through things. You process life in certain ways. You have certain similar experience. They may be painful. They may be joyful. But you have to be there. And it's the people that were there that lived through it that get it. That's our family. That's what we went through. And anybody that wasn't there, don't talk to me about it. And don't think you know me. And don't think you know where I came from and what I've been through. Because if you weren't there, and if you didn't live up what it was like before it was like for Dad to say, get out and go out and milk the cows. If you weren't there, don't tell me you know about my life. And you have your experience. And Jesus is saying, here's how to get here with me. Here's how to go that deep with me. Hear his word and put it into practice. Now this explains a lot. It explains a lot. There is a tightness of fellowship. There is a bond that occurs with people that do this. And there is a feeling of on the outside looking in for people who don't do this. 
In fact, there's a common experience the world over of people who don't hear God's Word and don't put it into practice. They too have a common experience. But for those who hear His Word, and you know that's more difficult than it seems. You can be around it, but not actually hear it. You can know about it, but have it not make the journey from your head to your heart. To really hear it in a way that He's saying this, and it relates to my life situation here. That's hearing it. If it's irrelevant, we're not hearing it. If you don't get how this dot connects with this dot, this, this teaching of Jesus connects with this situation in my life, then we're not really hearing it. When we hear it, the light comes on, and we say, yes, He's speaking to me. He's speaking to this situation at work. He's speaking Amen. to this situation in my family. He's speaking to this temptation that I'm, I'm dealing with. Then we hear it. But of course, hearing it is only step one. There's also step two. You see, that's two steps. Hear it and then put it into practice. As Matthew said that Susan read, do God's will. Hear it and put it into practice. So, where are we at with that? How's our processing going? Back to Jesus' family. Okay, so they're out there, and they're, they're out there. They don't hear this. Because it's only to the people on the inside that hear this description about who his family is. You want to know who my mother and brothers are? Those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Have you ever, what happened after that? You ever wondered what, you know, for, for those, the, the brothers and sisters, well... On the first of the list, probably the next oldest brother, named first, is James. And James, if you were to read what he wrote later, years down the road later, the brother, James, the brother of Jesus, you would read this, James chapter 1. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now, we know that Jesus loved family, and he ended up winning a number of his family members. And from the cross, talk about caring for mothers and Mother's Day. From the cross, Jesus looked down in one of his, with his few last dying breaths. He, he took care of his mom. And he looked at John and he said, John, take care of my mom. And, and he looked at his mother and he says, connect with, with John. He'll, he'll look out for you. Yeah. In effect, what he was saying, even at the end, he had in his heart, not just looking up and being, being you know, in, in thought of the, the ways of God, he was thinking about his mother. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Jesus was concerned on that level. Yeah. And somehow, whatever conversations occurred, and, and maybe it took the power of the resurrection for them to totally get the fact that our brother is actually the Messiah and the Son of God. I mean, you think, what would it take for one of your family members to, to see you in that light? It would take, I think, rising from the dead. Yeah. But they, they got there, 
But what's really interesting is the themes here. I mean, there's the family theme. He's, he's talking to them like, like dear family, my, my brothers. And, and of, of all the New Testament writers, nobody hit this point any more clearly than James. Verse 22, don't just, don't just hear it, you'll, you'll deceive yourself. Do what it says. Somewhere along the way, I think James must ask, hey, what did he say in there? What was that conversation about? It was about this, James. You want to be Jesus' family? Hear his word and put it into practice. And somewhere along the way, James got that and he said, that's right. I get that. There is a closeness that I have with Jesus that's, that's a family bond. There's a family experience that I have with him, but there is actually a bond that can run even deeper than that shared family experience. And that's the shared experience of those who hear God's word and put it into practice in their life. Are you feeling a little distant? Are you feeling a little outside, looking in? Are you feeling like there's a crowd of things in your life that you'd like to get through? Here it is. You want to be inside? You want to feel closer, feel more connected? Hear His Word and put it into practice. Well, hear, hear what of His Word and put what into practice? Well, here's a good place to start. Right here. Uh, any passage will do, but why not this one? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Chances are within the next 24 hours, maybe before the end of the day, before Monday at work is over or Monday at school is over, but somehow in the course of this next week, you'll have an opportunity to try that out. Now, if you're hearing right now deeply enough, you'll remember that when you get to that point. Oh, wow. Okay, here's that situation. But hearing it isn't, isn't going to do anything without putting it into practice. You know, be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. He gives another really good assignment, and that is get rid of all moral filth. Wow, the ways that moral filth can attack our lives. Through our cell phones, through our televisions, out just driving around, through conversations with people. All different ways. Moral filth is aggressively attacking our lives. And what he says is, get rid of all of it. That would be a great action step to take today, this afternoon. Right. Is there some aspect of moral filth that's crept into your life? Maybe in your vocabulary? Maybe into something you're looking at or something you're doing or conversations you're having or someplace you're going or someplace you're thinking about going? Cancel those plans. <laughs> Change that now. Go someplace else. Don't go there. Hear it and put it into practice. And in that, we'll find this growing bond with Jesus because it's that personal. And we'll find a growing bond with those who are living their life that way. Hearing His Word and putting it into practice. So, in, in the castaway spoof. There was this package. And, you know, he started to walk away and it was so great that he, that he finally asked and thought to ask, what's, what's in the package? Okay, and have you, you wondered what's in this package? Any guesses? The Word of God. The Word of God is in there. 
And we're, we're like Tom Hanks as a castaway. That's how we're like. And it's like there's a satellite phone in here. You want to make contact with God? There are prayers in here. The Psalms are prayers. If you feel distant, there, there, there are words given to some of the, 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 the most heartbreak moments you might have in your life that you couldn't find the words. They're here. It's like a satellite phone connection. And like he said, uh, uh, she said, there's, well, there's a GPS locator in here. You ever feel lost and you're disoriented with life? There is a way to get your bearings. Read this and you'll find some sense of, okay, here's where I am. And here's, by the way, why I'm here. And now here's how I need to go forward. GPS locator. There was a water purifier. Could you imagine that? A water purifier. Absolutely. Life is so toxic, so poisonous around us. And if we'll every day, if we'll just take a few minutes to process our life through this, read a passage and let life be filtered through, through a passage of the scripture back into your heart, you'll find it's like a water purifier. Oh, and, and a fishing rod. Yeah, there was a fishing rod in there too, you know? Wow, imagine that. Well, you know, it's not just all about us. Right. Right? It's about other people out there that are lost and disconnected and yeah. they're longing for belonging and they, they need to find a way in and, and there's things to help us reach and connect them. Now, maybe it's, it's not going to be like this, you know? Come to church like in the video you saw, but, but it's fishing rod, right? And then there's, there's seeds. And it's one of the most powerful things. I mean, you think about it, if he had had the seeds and he could have planted it, there could have been whatever, food growing right there. There's seeds that if we'll just open up our heart and read God's word, there's that way, it won't happen just now, but it'll be planted in your life. And then when you go through that situation, because you took the time and you planted it there, that seed grows, and, and now you have the fruit ready for you at that particular time. Or... Or we cannot open it. We can just not open it. We can just keep out there as if we were on a, a marooned, isolated on an island and, then, and just wondered, man, I, I wonder how I could have, could have made contact more quickly. And I wonder, I wonder what's in the box. Let's, let's look for what's in the box in God's word and let's watch it change our lives and let's watch it help us to have a great and personal connection with God. Thank you. Amen.